Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I want to talk about the Oregon game against Colorado Saturday, Autzen Stadium on ABC, and the Oregon State game Saturday on Fox. They're in uh, the Palouse uh, against Washington State. Uh, also, can I talk for just a second about Colorado State and Colorado? Great game. Captured a bunch of peripheral sports fans. But Colorado State played so dumb down the stretch of that game. The personal fouls were dumb. The fact that they had uh, ball carriers running out of bounds on third down right before the punt, their last uh, punt of regulation, like that the ball carriers got to get down in bounds, let the clock run or force Colorado to use its final timeout. Just a bunch of dumb little things that cost them in the end. They probably should have beat Colorado, but I got to give Colorado credit. Like Shooter Sanders made the plays, played well, had poise, showed some resilience. Here to talk about it all, Guy Haberman. Pac-12 Network and Sirius XM on the Pac-12 show. He's joining us now. Hey, what did you make of that game, Colorado, Colorado State? Uh, hi, John. It's great to talk to you. I uh, I thought very early in the game, I said to a buddy of mine that I was texting, as I'm sure everybody was texting a million people during that game. And, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. I watched Jim, Jim Harbaugh's 49ers for a while, and now we've all watched Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. And very early I thought, you know, I've seen Harbaugh's teams that play so close to the edge and beyond the edge that in, it doesn't mean they don't win big games. He's won a lot of big games. But I do think sometimes in the biggest games, that lack of discipline that makes them maybe uh, play with a certain edge that's great hurts them. And I thought very early in that Colorado State game, and I didn't think it would be that close, but I thought very early um, – this could the way Colorado State plays might hurt them. It might cost them the ability to win the game. Now that's not exactly what happened. What cost them in the end was Jay Norvell decided not to go for two. I know when he's going to have to go for two in the next overtime. I know he's getting a lot of criticism for it, but I I thought in the moment it was the wrong decision, and it was the wrong decision. I he must have forgotten his defense was no longer the defense that was stopping Colorado. His defense was now the defense that Shador Sanders was driving down the field on. So that was a mistake by him, a big mistake. The other thing I thought, as it relates to this week, not to jump ahead, was Colorado State came out and played the game that Texas Tech played against Oregon the week before, which was it's not supposed to be about us, but we're going to be so physical and so aggressive that we're going to make this game about us. And, um, you know, that was a great test, I think, for Oregon. It, it was not Oregon's best performance, but that experience, I think, was good for them. And uh, I think for Colorado, it might have been a good experience in the end as well. Guy Haberman with us, Sirius XM, also on the Pac-12 network. Colorado at Oregon, no Travis Hunter. He's going to be out for several weeks. Uh, how? What kind of chance do you give Colorado to go into Autzen Stadium and, and make this a game? I think they can make it a game because I think their quarterback, somebody asked me the other day, what do you make it? Why is Colorado so good? Like, how did we not see this coming? And to me, the number one answer is their quarterback's really good, who happens to be the coach's son. But their quarterback's really good. And if your quarterback's really good and you've got some skill guys, even without Travis Hunter, they have multiple players on that offense that have had 100-yard games. 
Um, I know right now, when you look at the stats, we have several teams that are defensively, you know, you're 10, 11, 12, 14 points per game. But now that we're getting into conference play, that's about to change. 21 points, generally 24 points, isn't going to win you a lot of games. And Colorado can score. So um, I do think they'll be able to score a little bit. I know uh, from, a, from a line standpoint, like I think the fundamental kind of basic outlook on this game is Oregon should be able to pound the ball for four quarters and run away from the bus. And the gambling line reflects it. Although, John, I would say I think the gambling line is, has to be a little inflated due to just the amount of money Vegas has taken on when it comes to Colorado. And I think part of it is if this was an honest line, I think it would be a little smaller, but they got to protect themselves as much as they can against all the people that bet on the buffs. Um, but I actually, against maybe some logic, think Colorado can hang in this game because I think they're, they've defied the odds at every step here so far. And to me, Oregon has not yet proven that they're the team that um, I should have, you know, blind faith in to do what, you know, uh, what Colorado State did a little of. Yes, they can do that. But I, I, the Texas Tech game was a little unsettling for me. So, yes, I think Colorado can hang around. The offensive and defensive coordinators at Colorado, Charles Kelly on the defensive side, and uh, obviously the defense at Colorado isn't, yeah, isn't what people talk about, but Sean Lewis on the offensive side, uh, those two coordinators are good. I don't know that I would pick either of Oregon's coordinators head-to-head. Like, if we're just calling a game, Tosh LePoy on defense and, and Will Stein on offense, relatively inexperienced compared to those guys. Is that a factor in this game? I think it's a factor. Absolutely it's a factor. Now, Dan obviously is involved in defense, and I think Will's got – I think Will is a pretty – I mean, he's shown he's a pretty good offensive coordinator um, so far to this point in his young career. To me, Sean Lewis is like a, that's a, that's a proven head coach. Um, you know, he won games at Kent State. He put up points at Kent State. He ran the ride. If you go into the Kent State record books, his offenses are some of the best offenses in that program's history. And at times, he had like top twenty-five, top thirty-level offenses at Kent State. So, like that guy's the next head coach somewhere. That guy's the next head coach at pick a place, Michigan State, let's say. Like, Michigan State should interview Sean Lewis. Um, I think he's going to be an X factor in a lot of the games they play. He's not not a head coach because he can't be. He's not a head coach because he couldn't – he made the career decision to go here, to one step back to take two steps forward, and it's going to work. So um, I think he – you know, th- there are obviously very good – I think one of the reasons – this league this year, these teams, the last couple of years have looked the way they look is because the, the level of offensive coach in this league is very high. I think it's, I mean, the level of quarterback play is also very high. But if you go down, think of all the guys who call plays in this league, John. Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb. Ryan Grubb, Alabama, tried to hire him. Ben Arbuckle at Washington State. Western Kentucky last year had the number one offense in the nation. Brian Lindgren and Jonathan Smith. We know, I mean, I don't need to preach to you about that. Uh, Troy Taylor, even even Troy Taylor at Stanford, he had a historic offense last year at Sacramento State. Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, check, check. Uh, at, at Utah, Andy Ludwig's been fantastic. 
you know, Kenny Dillingham, I think if you had to bet on guys, you'd say just offensively get it going, Jed Fish, get it going. But there are very, very high-level offensive coaches, and I think one thing Colorado has is they are just going to be able – their offensive coach is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with every other offensive coach in the league this year. Guy, there's a big game going on in Pullman. Oregon State, Washington Mm -hmm. State, two schools that everybody has said – you know, TV has said don't matter as much as the others – are playing each other. They're both ranked. They're going to be on Fox, on Fox. ironically. Uh, how, Nobody how, watches these yeah. guys. Let's put them yeah. on Fox. <laughs> yeah, and the biggest thing, like I talked to Pat Chun, the athletic director at Washington State today, and he was like, hey, uh, you know, they're not telling people to boycott. They want people to tune in and show Fox, like, hey, this moves the needle nationally. Do you think right. this game will right. move the needle? I think so. I mean, look, you know, we've seen all the things – and I know I remember you put together an article with a bunch of graphics uh, before of historic tele- um, like historic te- like recent television ratings. And the thing you notice, and tell me if you think uh, this is off base, is like the teams they get to puff out their chest and say people watch us. For the most part, with a few exceptions, are just the teams that are good. Like they're good. So guess what? When you're good. You get the primetime games. I mean, look at what's happened this year in the league. You remember two years ago all the discussion about, well, I don't know, should the Pac-12 play 9 a.m. kicks so they can be on ABC, so they can be on Fox? And then it just turned out when you're really good, they just put you on ABC. And they just put you on Fox. And you don't have to bend over backwards for them. And guess what happens when you're on those channels? Despite the future, the, the announcement that the future is here with cord cutting, the broadcast channels still do the highest ratings. And so I don't think it's like some big secret. Why has Washington State had good ratings the last eight years? Well, guess what? They've won a lot of games. Since 2015, they've won the fifth most games in the Pac-12, both in league play and overall. Since 2015, Washington State has five fewer wins than USC, 12 fewer wins than Utah. It's not some big secret. If you win games, you're in important games, you get on networks, people watch you. It's that simple. Um, and these two teams are good. I mean, this is, this is there's only one game in the league this week that doesn't have a ranked team in it, and these are two ranked teams. So, yeah, I think people will watch. Will people watch like they watch Coach Prime? Will people watch like they watch Caleb Williams? No. I mean, this one will be interesting because Caleb Williams plays an ASU team. That game shouldn't be competitive. Like, I'll be interested to see. We can compare all of these games this week because there's three of them on Fox, another one on ABC, another one on S. I don't have the list in front of me, but um, – Long answer. Yes, I think people will watch. I hope so. I think I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, this. Who do you think this, wins? Oregon State's better, but Washington State's at home, and Oregon State hasn't won there in ten years. And so I think yeah. that game is going to be a fist fight. And Jake Dickert will throw some things at DJ Uyunglele that that make him a little unsettled, and that's what Washington State yeah. does to you. And so I think it's a hell of yeah. a game. I think it's going to be the best game of the six uh, games that are on the schedule for the conference. And so I, I'm excited to see that one, although I will be at Colorado, Oregon. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe you I should, should be. Yeah. Come on. You know? I mean, it's like, yeah. the Taylor Swift concert's in town. You go to the Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> All right. I'm right? going. Like, let's not over, like, Bon Iver. Like, I, people love Bon Iver. But, you know, when Backstreet Boys are in sync, come to town, you go see Timberlake. It's like. You know, let's go see the event. So I don't think there's any. You're not doing anything uh, immoral by going to that game. That's the event. What's going to happen? I will happen? say, you know, last yeah. go What's going to happen in which what? No, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. 
I was just going to say, you know, last year, my take on this Oregon State-Washington State game is that last year Oregon State punched them in the mouth repeatedly. Cam Ward was very uncomfortable that entire game. So I think that experience probably helps Washington State. Um, I Look, I'm not one to pick against Jonathan Smith and a dominant run game. My feel right now is that Washington State wins that game. Um, I thought that DJU would be more efficient than he's been to this point. To be around the same, even below, I think, the same completion. I thought the completion percentage would go way up. Now, the beauty is he plays for Oregon State, so it's not all about that. But this is, I do wonder, I mean, you're asking your defense to really hold Cam Ward in check. Um, unless DJ has a breakout game and, and they can go score, you know, 34 points or something like that. So, you know, last year I think would be a warning to not take Washington State, but I don't know. I got a feeling about the Cooks this week. Guy Haberman with us, Sirius XM, Pac-12 show, also on the Pac-12 networks. Guy, what's going to happen? All right, you've got about eight ranked teams. Does the Pac-12 have a playoff team or two? Uh, I think, you know, I think it's very, and I understand it, I think the first reaction to that question is, no, they're going to eat each other alive. But, as you know, the playoff is a national event, and what other people do or don't do affects how many spots are available. And this is just a wide-open year in college football. Um, The fact that so many teams went unbeaten in non-conference play really helps. A one-loss outright conference champion has never been left out of the college football playoff. So, um, you know, I think there is uh, a very good chance that somebody goes to the playoff. Now, everybody's got to get a little better between now and then and try to avoid major losses before then. But, you know, we know who you lose to is irrelevant if you only have one loss. This might be the year in college football where somebody gets in with two as a not you know as a as a runner up in their league. We, this might be one of you know this might be that year, and as it sounds crazy to say, maybe it happens in this league. So much of it is just about the momentum you have going and the perception of you when you take a loss. And look around the country; Alabama's already changed quarterbacks multiple times. Georgia had a dogfight. Texas had a dogfight against Wyoming on the Longhorn Network this past weekend, Notre Dame. I mean, I don't think anybody has looked like an unbeatable powerhouse at this point. So I I know history tells us this league beats itself up and keeps itself out. But um, I don't know. It might just be weird enough this year for it to happen, given the circumstances. You know, it almost feels like it's supposed to happen, given the circumstances. Guy Haberman, check him out on SiriusXM, also on the Pac-12 Network. Guy, thanks for making time. I appreciate you, man. John, you, I went to Fresno State, and I, all I heard when I was at Fresno State was about this guy, John Canzano. There was there was like three, John Canzano, <laughs> John Branch, and Andy yep. Katz. Like, all these yep. guys had made their careers at the front. I heard about John Canzano, John Canzano, John Canzano. And then uh, I met you at the Oregon Stanford game, Justin Herbert's freshman year. 
And uh, anyone who's been through Fresno can talk about Fresno all day long. All day. And um, anyway, it's a it's great to talk to you. I love love the podcast. Long time, first time. So uh, hope I talk to you soon. Thanks. Great having you on, guy. I appreciate you, man. And he's right about Fresno. It's, uh, anybody who's ever lived there or worked there, you've got uh, you've got something in common. Just a knowing glance. We'll leave it at that. All right, coming up, uh, we got some punch it audio. We'll also talk about the Ducks in Colorado. Top of the hour with the USA Today. Zach Neal will be joining us to talk about the team he covers. Leave it here. I got a chance to uh, see the newly renovated Research Stadium on Saturday. Walk around a little bit, check it out. See it during a game when it's all full of people and sounds and sights and hot dogs and beer flowing and all that stuff. So I walked around the west side for a bit just to check it out. I got to say, I stopped Scott Burns, the athletic director, and Kimia Massey, the uh, deputy AD, and Sarah Elcano, one of the deputy ADs. I told them all, I said, you guys did a really good job. They did a nice job on the west side of the research stadium. Downsized the stadium size, fewer fans, but it somehow feels cozy and yet it really easy and accessible on that west side you know I've, I've spent a lot of time in that stadium and in Autzen stadium and frankly in a lot of college football stadiums around the country it is one of the best college football stadiums in the country i'm not talking about like comparing it to a hundred thousand seat stadium in the big 10 conference i'm just saying from a stadium experience I thought they did a really nice job. I went up and down the escalators. I went up and down the stairs. I walked to each of the levels. I looked at the sight lines, and I went, you know, damn, there's not a bad seat over there anywhere. So for people who are uh, checking it out, you already know what I'm talking about. Steven, you were there. I really like what they did with it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a nice stadium. Like you said, it, it seems bigger than it actually is, I feel like. Like, it seems like it's a, you know, a big-time college football atmosphere. And, uh, you know, you can tell the fans, they fill it up and they get it loud there. And everything, Plays big. Yeah. And, yeah. Every, and everything just feels really nice. And, you know, they do a really good job there. I'm very impressed uh, with what they did there. Now, and now the question is, you know, how do you, you know, parlay that into trying to get back into the big-time conferences of college football? I mean, I, like the stadium feels like it's a Pac-12. It's a, you know, a Big Ten, a Big 12 type of stadium. You got to get there somehow. They got to get back. I want to do some punch and audio. Let's go. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, she'll be with us Wednesday on this show. Jake Dickert, Washington State coach, will be with us tomorrow. But Jonathan Smith talking about Oregon State and Washington State. The Pac-2. They will play this weekend. He says they belong in major college football. Punch it. We, again, folks at the task at hand, what, what, what is right in front of it. Uh, I'll totally agree with Coach Dicker in regards to the Oregon State and Washington State belong competing at the highest level. I think there's a proven product, not just in football, but in all sports that uh, both universities' programs have uh, – Competed at the highest level, had serious success, and that should continue. Should continue, but they'll be on the stage 4 o'clock on Saturday on Fox. What kind of audience will they draw? They've got UCLA-Utah as a lead-in. That game's at 1230. Also at 1230, Colorado and Oregon on ABC. Let's see who draws the eyeballs. 
But uh, I, the great irony is that Fox, which told Oregon State and Washington State, hey, you don't have a big enough TV market. We don't want you. Uh, they want the game between those schools. Keep an eye on it. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.